Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Moore has it, top of the key. Shot clock at seven. Back out to Dixon. Shot clock at four. Dixon wants to attack all the way in. Layup is good. And a foul. He's got 28 and he's going to the line. And they're rocking here in South Philadelphia. Our poll question of the day was sparked by something DB said uh, earlier this morning. And it's, you know, what what basketball program's feeling better about themselves right now as the season kind of winds down and postseason approaches? Is it Creighton, who is still going to be a part of the 68, but on the backtrack, right, losing a couple of games here, and I think three out of their last four, or is it... Nebraska, who's won four straight, playing for an NIT bid, has a uh, you know a glimpse of what the 68. And I know the like. easy answer would be to be Nebraska, but if you think Nebraska is just living on borrowed time, and inevitably it comes to a close, that may factor into the, that Nebraska their basketball team psyche. And Creighton, conversely, could be thinking we got better days ahead. So that's why that, it's not as low-hanging a fruit question right. in my it opinion. It seems easy, but it's not yeah. if you really think about postseason. Let's welcome in Ravi Lula now to talk more about Creighton. Ravi, good morning. Hey, what's going on, guys? Ravi, what's up, buddy? Is Nebraska prolonging the inevitable, or is Creighton know that there'll be better days ahead? Well, it depends on what you think the inevitable is for Nebraska. I mean, I don't think – I mean – I don't think there's any blue skies out there in terms of what this season is. And unless you, you know, if, if finishing above 500 is, you know, the big win, then yeah, that's, that's possible. That's doable. But I think in the grand scheme of things, you look at their roster, you look at the guys they're probably losing next year. And as good as this year turned out to be in terms of coming together, you still look at long-term building blocks and success and you're like i don't know how much is going to be left from this year Mm. um as far as creighton's concerned it's kind of one of those things where i just don't really know what to expect from this team to say that there are for sure better days ahead there's better days out there for sure but are they behind them are they the it was it the the eight game winning streak that were the better days and they're kind of regressing again the way we did the the way we saw after the, the start of the season I really don't know. What I do know is that they didn't look locked in pretty much from the jump against mm-hmm. Villanova, a team that they needed to be locked in for, a game that they needed really to help themselves out in the Big East tournament seedings, and they just didn't look ready or locked in or whatever you want to call it. So I don't know if there's better days ahead. There's better in them than what we saw. I just don't know on any given day whether we're going to get it or not. Yeah, Ravi, you know, I want to ask both of you a question here. Both you and DB, you guys can both answer, and then I'm going to follow it up with a question to you. How many games this year do you think Ryan Kalkbrenner has double-digit attempts from the field? Out of 20, 30 games? Out of all of his games that he's played. So it's going to be really low because it, it's something that actively angers me. He ends up in like the 8 to 9 range Correct. a lot. Double digits. Um, and I'd love to see him in, like, the 12 to 15 range every game. Yeah, I'm already answering say, my question. You're right. I'll, yeah, I'll, go ahead. I'll, I'll go first, and I'll say six. All right, six. What do you think, Robbie? It's, I think it's definitely under 10. I'll say eight. It is seven. Meet in the middle. <laughs> right, in two, the middle. right in the middle. <laughs> He's 
averaging 70.9% from the field, and this team can't find a way to get him, get him the ball at double digit attempts that is the problem offensively now let me ask you something though ravi i'm telling you i argued about this for two weeks so i'll ask you how much of that is not necessarily just play design hey chalkboard draw it up but for kalk to occasionally at least face the basket or get the ball off the block maybe on the elbow like how much of that is is his willingness to to do something different with his own repertoire? I mean, that might be part of it, but you also have to think like, okay, if he faces up, what do you want him to do there? You know, like I I don't know, I just don't know if that's in his game right now, where he can go one two dribbles, kind of spin into a post up, and then make his move from there. I don't I don't know if that's something he can I'm do right that. now. I'm with that. Um, Mm. Here's here's the thing that I think is the biggest issue for Creighton is I don't think they're very good at entering the ball into the post. It's hard actually. I just don't I don't don't think the guards are very good at it. I think Kalkbrenner seals a lot more often than people realize and they just can't get him the ball. Mm. So to me that's the big issue is they just can't get it to him when he seals. He seals plenty. I don't think it's I don't so let me let me get clarity because I don't want to correct you if you're saying the same mm-hmm. thing. I don't think it's that they don't know how to deliver an entry pass, which I do think is a difficult skill set because so many teams now don't play through the post. It's kind of mm-hmm. a lost art. I think it's more late than not. It it comes. That's- I think it comes late or not when he actually has position. Are you saying something different or the same? Well, I think it can be both. Okay. Right, because the timing is part of the skill of the entry pass, right? So whether it's, hey, I just can't physically get the ball in the right spot with a little bit of pressure in my face, or I don't see it until it's too late, those are kind of in that same skill set to me. Because I agree with you, like, post-entry is a skill that it's, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sound like an old guy, oh, it's a lost art, like the mid-range It is, though. But it is because a lot of teams just don't use it that way. I mean, we see how most teams use bigs. We've seen how Creighton has used bigs in the past. It hasn't really been a priority to get them post-up touches. Well, Kalkbrenner has the touch and the footwork that that should really be the centerpiece of your offense, and everything flows outward from there because it's not just the field goal percentage. Look at your true shooting percentage. Look at your effective field goal percentage. He very well might be the most efficient two-point scorer in the country. And he is getting less than 10 shots a game. Now, I understand with volume, efficiency sometimes or often wanes a little bit, but I'm willing to give up a little bit of that efficiency for more volume because the drop-off between his efficiency and the next guy's efficiency on that team is enormous. Is it because, to to answer maybe part of DB's point and uh, going off of what you were saying, is the lack of getting Kalkbrenn of the ball because guard play is getting away from their strength when it comes to – they were so good about passing the ball 
early on this season and during their winning stretch. But a lot more times than not, when they are trailing, they put the ball on the ground. And when they put the ball on the ground, that's why I think there's a lot of late entry passes or even they late looks too to much? Kalkbrenner oh, because they're, I get they're dribbling instead of passing. And if you were passing and moving defenders, Kalk would have that seal more times than not, and you could get it inside. Yeah, I think that's a fair uh, point. They do they bog down really badly when they when the offense isn't going well. Their default is, oh, I can just take this guy off the dribble. And to be fair, the only guy that can really do that consistently and make tough shots, I think, is Trey Alexander, and he's not shooting the ball well right now. So that's a problem. Nemhard has that to a certain degree, but he's kind of got to take you off. He's got to like catch it by surprise a little bit to get shots off in especially inside just because of his size that's why i didn't love the providence game where he had the ball in his hands for one of the last shots was because well if you know he's shooting it it's a lot easier to defend he's harder to defend when you don't know what he's going to do with the ball and a lot of these guys whether it's trey whether it's nemhard whether it's uh kaluma whether it's shireman they they tend to over dribble when the offense is getting bogged down and they're just trying to get a bucket and trying to get the team going and the ball movement and the player movement off ball just really dies. And so I don't know if that's a direct correlation to Kalkbrenner. It probably is to a certain degree, but I also think it can go the opposite way where if you can just find a way to get him a post touch because of how efficient he is down there, he's either going to have a really good chance of getting a, a bucket or they're going to send a double, and now all of a sudden your entire offense opens up. Of the so get it, you it's kind of a it's kind of a chicken or an egg thing there for me in terms of is it the fact that the offense is bogging down because they're not getting Kalkbrenner the ball, or are they not getting Kalkbrenner the ball because the offense is bogging down? Of the staggering single digit numbers, since we're on the single digit theme, I'll get you out on this. Which was the most staggering that resulted via or at, that? led to, you think, the, the score discrepancy. Only six turnovers for Creighton and never really being in that game. The mm -hmm. fact that Caleb Daniels only scored two points. The fact Justin Moore only had eight. Or the fact that Ryan Nemhart only made one field goal. Which of those single-digit numbers are the most surprising via the outcome? Um, in... In regards to the outcome, probably the turnovers. Because you look at games against Villanova and you say, hey, if I don't beat myself, I like my chances. Mm -hmm. And they only had six turnovers. That's as good of a number as you're going to have against anybody. And the fact that they only had six turnovers, they really didn't beat themselves, at least in that regard. And they still were never really in it is pretty alarming because if you look at it you're like hey we turn it over 16 times we played sloppy we can clean that up if you look at it and say hey we only had six turnovers it becomes harder to start pointing at things to say hey what do i fix here in order to get a better result and there are things that they need to fix but it's more difficult than like hey we need to take care of the basketball Hot day for Eric Dixon, real quick, yay or nay. Hot day for Eric Dixon. That's why the drop coverage doesn't work, or is Creighton exposed in how they utilize drop coverage? I mean, I think they're a little exposed in the way they utilize drop coverage. Their rotation behind Kalkbrenner has been really bad all year. 
Mm. No doubt, because they just put the big man in the middle. Thanks, <laughs> Ravi. Appreciate your time. Hey, fantastic, Ravi. Thanks. See you guys. And thank all of you for listening to the show today. If you missed any of it, go to your favorite podcast platform, and you can find Apple, Spotify, Hail Varsity Radio, and find the rest of the show. We'll see you tomorrow.